I admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Mr. Bond, I suppose you wouldn't care to, um, raise the limit? I have no objection. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Please Watch This, a film podcast where two mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to each other so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? My name is Hugh Dempsey, I'm joined as always by Sam Blakely and Sam, um, you can't hear it but the listeners can, um, we've got a bit of uh, James Bond playing here in the background because sadly this was the week that we lost uh, legendary actor Sean Connery. Who, uh, Sean. Yeah, the first of James Bond. That's the, uh, the scene from Doctor No when he introduces himself. The eponymous music playing away in the background. Yeah, so it was sad, wasn't it? He was 90, but still sad, isn't it? You have used the word eponymous I've again, used though. it wrong, haven't I, according to you? Yeah. <laughs> Unless the music's called Doctor No. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to be 100% honest here. I, think I want you to lead this... Uh, little tribute because I've literally seen about three of his films um, obviously including the film we looked at uh, yeah, last two weeks ago it turns out that you're not the biggest I wouldn't call you a fan uh, or that's not the right word you, not, you just haven't seen a lot of films I just don't really know yeah. his work yeah, just yeah. I, I think we talked about it before you know, this podcast is great in, in filling those gaps and I really hadn't seen many Denzel films before there's a lot of Al Pacino films I've not seen and Sean Connery is probably number one in the actors who I ought to have seen more uh, yeah. of yeah well so tell, tell me about Sean what does Sean mean to you Hugh well basically he was kind of like to me in my mind he was like one of the first big movie stars that you knew about as a kid I guess, um, yeah. Him and Harrison Ford always spring to my mind for some reason. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, father <laughs> and son. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, you know, Sean Connery was in all these great films. He's he was in seven Bond films in the end. That's quite a lot when you think wow. about it. Is that more than anybody else? Um, I presume it is. It Maybe Roger Moore. I can't remember off the top of the dome piece if I'm being honest with you. So yeah. he was in he was in six official ones and then one non-official. Oh, I've never one. seen ever again. Yeah, which we talked about in our um, was it uh, the Living Daylights or A View to a Kill? Which one did we watch? A license to Kill. A license, a license to Kill. To kill. We to ought to do kill. another Bond. Actually, I mean, there's there are ten different Sean Connery films I think on my to watch list. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll do one in tribute to him, but not this week, I'm afraid. Yeah, no. So he became so he became really popular for all the. The Bond films, you know, Golden Art, uh, Gold, Goldfinger, sorry, um, <laughs> from Russia with Love, Doctor so No, had a cameo in Golden Eye, uh, Dimes Are Forever, yeah, You Only Live Twice, and then the other that other Bond film, which is okay, it's called Never Say Never Again, yeah. um, probably not the best of his work. The best one's probably uh, Goldfinger, um, followed by I would say probably either, oh, probably maybe You Only Live Twice. That's the one with um, Blofeld in the originally, yeah. I uh, I think Goldfinger would be a great film for us to watch on the show. I but think it's, we yeah, should do it at some point. Your, yeah. your recommendation, but um, um, but yeah, I'm not I mean, fin- yeah, aside go- from that, you're you're a big fan of the The Rock and uh, Untouchables and yeah, these, yeah, all these yeah. So I mean, I saw The Rock when I was a kid, so I enjoyed that, and that's a there's a nice allusion to that. He might have been like somebody who worked for MI5 in the 60s, which is nice. Basically, they're saying like, oh, this might be James Bond in his 60s, which is kind of cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was in all sorts of good, you know, obviously we watched The Hunt for Red October uh, the week before last. He was in uh, In the Name of the Rose. He was in um, He was in The Untouchables. He's got really good in that. He won an Oscar for that in the Best Supporting Oscar. He just was in yeah. the Indian, third Indiana Jones film, which you're yet to see, but you know, you'll get to see him being pretty decent in that as well. Um, Hopefully it's better than the second indie, indie film, to be honest. Finger, it <laughs> we'll is, see. it is, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he was also in a film called Zardos, if you've ever seen the... Oh, yeah, I've seen the of, costume. I've seen yeah, it. I mean... <laughs> it's hilarious you know. that they can make such a sexy man look so ridiculous. But then, <laughs> again, at the same time, Sam, you can be cool, but you'll never be as cool as Sean Connery with... Um, Gun belts in a red diaper with a ponytail, holding a ma- holding jocks, a revolver or no, a magnum or something. Yeah, Very few people just... can be that cool. They can indeed. So yeah, you know, he was just 
yeah, I mean, he was kind of like, he had that effortless cool, I think, that very few people have. I mean, when I was in my early 20s, I actually bought a picture of a still from, I think it's Doctor No, I'm not sure what film it's from, but it's from one of his Bond films, as a present for um, one of our friends of the show, Liam uh, Juicy Waters. Uh, Good man. Yeah, and... Uh, you know, we both appreciate his work. So he used to have that up in his bedroom for many years. <laughs> we, <were> like, <laughs> we used to talk to it jokingly going, ah, Rich Money Penny, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Because he was kind of like a symbol of like, you know, cool but effortless masculinity, I guess. Not like yeah. this brute, you know, this suave, sophisticated sort of, you know, ladies' man, but, you know, could beat you up if you had to. You know, I, we, I think there was... And yeah, I think there were some things later, maybe as he got older, stuff that he said might have been a little troubling, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's when somebody like that dies where you where people are like, well, let's not revere him as a god because he was a imperfect. And you go, well, I don't, you know, that's not important, actually. Yeah, right I'd, I'd say he had some more of an archaic view towards domestic violence, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, um, seems so. Yeah, I mean... He was we, born we should, in 1930. Yeah, we shouldn't laugh. <laughs> we shouldn't, yeah. because he did literally say something in an interview once about it being okay to hit women, to essentially. Slap a woman, was it? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. And there is a bit of... If you watch some of the older Bond films, there's one where he's like... He literally, like, bitch slaps this woman because she lies to him <laughs> or something. And there's one... To a scene where he's got like two of a, two women, he's holding them under the water to try and get information out of them. Um, right. So there's stuff like that. I mean, uh, that's not that's not CCTV footage of Sean Connery the man. No, to be no. Fair. But it's also another thing of separating the art from the artist, isn't it? And I think, I suppose. you know, he's beloved because of his his screen persona, not because of his great humanitarian yeah. work. Uh, you know, um, but he, you know, he, as I say, I would say, yeah. I mean, he struggled with the fame that was garnered from Bond. And he famously fell out with the uh, with the the, the producers, uh, could be broccoli and Harry, Zolt- and Harry Zaltzman for a while. Um, that got re- quite that got really bitter in the end. Um, I think I told the story about where he just stopped working and just stood there, basically froze on set one day when one of the producers, I think it was Cubby Broccoli, walked in. Um, they reconciled later in Cubby Broccoli's life and made up and stopped hitting each other and so that was always nice I guess <laughs> um, you know he famously turned down Lord of the Rings which is quite funny yeah he turned down the was pres- it Christopher Lee uh, no ceremony. he was offered ceremony. he was offered Gandalf uh, was he? yeah and he said afterwards wow. he says I read he said I read the script I read the book and I've seen the film and I still don't get it <laughs> <laughs> so I mean he was honest about his own sort of understanding of stuff and yeah, yeah. he was complicated in that way i guess but uh you know we watched the hunt for red october he was brilliant in that last week and we're gonna it was the best thing about that film it was yeah him and sam neil i always really like sam neil in that film um Mm. yeah so we'll probably at some point we'll watch the rock and the untouchables we'll get through all those in the name of the rose all those really good sean connery films but we certainly will sam also reflecting the news this week uh, if you didn't listen last week um we're gonna do a film that's kind of um, reflective of the time we are in, which is very much of the time. Yeah, I mean, the latest news uh, tells us that Biden is either two hundred and fifty-three or two hundred and sixty-four, told uh, Trumpington's two thirteen, two fourteen. So fair enough. Very much, of, very yeah. much of the time. Yeah. So a U.S. election is happening at the minute. We thought we'd know by now. We thought we'd all be. <laughs> we really did. We thought we'd all be a bit jaded and like, oh, this seems a bit out of date now. But uh, it turns out no. <laughs> it's so maybe on Sunday when this comes out, you'll you'll know the result and you'll be like, oh, hopefully, they're so in the past. Oh, you know, the they Trump didn't know. They didn't, they didn't even know on. that Trump made his last his last yeah his last gap win, and he's now yeah. president of the <laughs> universe. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to declare war on China. <laughs> I'm going to sue them for counting all the votes. Fuck me. Anyway, it's Ides of March. <laughs> it's Ides of March. Yep, that's what we're doing this week. The 2011 George Clooney directed uh, political and penned thriller. Yeah, Co-penned. although I think it has more to do. I, I mean, look, one of the writers for this, so the well, the two, the other two writers that are listed on this film. 
are uh, Grant Heslov and a guy called Bo uh, Willimon, who went on to write... Who wrote the novel. He did, and he also went on to be the main writer on the American version of House of Cards. And you can see a lot Uh, of that in this film, if you've ever seen that show. Um, So Sam, would you like a quick spoiler-filled synopsis of this film? As quick as we can. It is going to be spoiler filled. You've got 45 seconds. That's too short, Go. but I'll try to be brief. Um, so basically... So the opening scene starts with... Blah, 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 blah. Give us... What's the film about here? So, and again, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Yeah, we're going to get spoilers because that's kind of the crux of the film, ultimately. So we oh, so basically, you've got Ryan Gosling. He plays a um, press secretary for a presidential candidate during the primary season for the Democratic nomination. And as the his boss is George Clooney, um, as the film unfolds, he he also works as well. He also works with Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's his boss. And kind of as the film unfolds, he accidentally learns of the infidelity that the his boss George Clooney, the uh, governor, has had with his basically his girlfriend. That it kind of turns out to be. He starts seeing this young. In turn, who's played by Rachel? Not Rachel McCann, Rachel Evan Wood, isn't it? Um, she right. plays Molly. Uh, finds out that basically he's got her pregnant, and there's also like other political machinations in the background because obviously because it's a primary. There's also another Democratic rival who George Clooney character is running off against, and the um, the guy who's running their campaign offers him a job, but it turns out that that was just a way to get him fired effectively off the off the campaign and because he gets fired uh the the unturned molly realizes oh he's, she's going to use this is he's going to use that as political ammunition against the the governor and in the end she ends up committing suicide it's quite sad and then it re- and in the end it resolves itself by uh he basically uses that information as blackmail to extort the job as the chief uh, political advisor to George Clooney's character to be um, to get the job he's always wanted, I guess. Um, and you know nobody's nobody's clean in politics, so yeah. So that's kind of the that's the synopsis of the there film. Go. Right in right in under the wire at about twenty seconds. That nice uh, record time. I mean, but you know that was it. It's a it's a complicated pot with lots of things. So you've, you've included it all there. Yeah, uh, and it is machinationary. Um, Hugh, why do you like this film so bloody much? Uh, well, it's a good political film. You know, you don't get too many films that are set like in political campaigns that often. You usually tend to see them sort of after they've won something or when they, you know, it tends to not, or it's like small scale politics. It's never like this kind of, he's going for the presidency, you know, that kind of thing. It's usually <laughs> after they've become president nine times out of ten or or they're running for like such a small local election that it doesn't really matter controller <laughs> yeah it's, um it's got great dialogue great acting i mean all it's it's i would argue that it's a ryan gosling vehicle he's the bulk he's in bulk the bulk of the scene he's the protagonist isn't he yeah uh but you get one good i think you get one good like piece of dialogue and like set piece from all of the major actors in this film uh, you know, from Philip Seymour Hoffman, from Paul Giamatti, from Clooney, even from, you know, uh, Evan Rachel Wood, you know, who's gone on to be somebody. Hell, even Jeffrey Wright gets like a little speech at the end, doesn't he? That, he does, yeah. He's very, he, he's an important to the plot, but his character isn't really in it. Um, Marissa Tomei, she does really well as well. Uh, so it's a great ensemble piece, quite frankly. It shows all the different factors that people have to deal with uh, it's a good plot line the acting's incredible as i just mentioned uh, it's got great tension i think i think the tension's quite good in this um it's just it's just a well-made sort of political drama that you know it asks you a lot of asks you a lot of questions i think you know a lot of like what will people do for power? You know, I you know this film's called The Ides of March, or the extreme, or, or the alternative title I would give it is The Extreme Lengths I Went to Keep My Job. <laughs> you know, or how my oh, dick got me worrying about the bomb and <laughs> yeah, or how my dick. Now got the Ides of March. That's, is that problem. Shakespeare? Is that is that Julius uh, Caesar Shakespeare? Be well. So the Ides of March. Of, so let me tell you about the Ides of March. Sam. Give me some background. Yeah, as yeah. A so the Ides of March is your period. The, uh, it, well, yeah. Um, 
I think it's is it the fourteenth or the fifteenth of March? It's a it's basically the day that uh, Julius Caesar was assassinated on the mm. uh, the temple of Pompey. I think it was. Uh, memory serves me correct. And I think the illusion here is, you know, like politics it's, is it's e- quite literally backstabbing. Yeah, politics is ever thus. You know, people stab each other mm. in the back, and it has dire like mortal consequences. Uh, you know, people get hurt. You know, in this case, you know the the senate survive. Uh, sorry, the the governor survives his his like assassination attempt by his own political party, <laughs> essentially, to get rid of him, uh, or somebody else who's running against him. So, yeah, it's kind of. It, I don't know if it's. To be honest, I don't know. If, it's one of those strange kind of titles because it doesn't really have, other than being about politics, it doesn't really have much to do with. The major themes of that that period. So well, the whole "Beware the Ides of March." That's that's obviously he's assassinated by his friend, isn't he? So is yeah. is it a bit of a spoiler to say that su- this title is this title suppose- a bit of a spoiler to say that the people who are closest to you are the ones who you should be wary of in, yeah. in political uh, campaigns? Yeah, because I suppose in the end it is Philip Seymour Hoffman's character who who outs him to the press as meeting with the opposition. Um, and then it's Stephen's character who is trying to destroy Mike Morris as well. Yeah, and you could also argue that like it's about loyalty and Caesar thought that... Um, oh, his name forgets... Oh, what's his name? Uh, Brutus was loyal Brutus? to him. Yeah, yeah, Brutus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although he didn't say that apparently when he died. Apparently he was, it was something more along the lines He went, oh! <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> there was... And it, it, I think it, Shakespeare it, had a bit of poetic license with it. Yeah, I don't think you make it sound like he's having a tricky shit. <laughs> no, I think it was something more like along the lines "you two son" or something like that, or "you son" because he was he was close with uh, old Brutus. So yeah, I suppose you could say that. There's a lot of the the illusion is you're betrayed by those that you think you're not going to be betrayed by. Um, so yeah, but I like yeah. I like the themes that it deals with about you know does power corrupt. Because ultimately, the sen uh, the the keep calling him want to call him senator that uh, governor yeah the governor he basically uses his position of authority to seduce a, a vulnerable young woman into bed and then he broke her up. the first rule of politics the only rule of politics <laughs> don't fuck the interns yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well, yeah because they'll get you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you see, his mistake there was not getting a blowjob. See, that's see, that's why that's why Clinton became was president because he knew if it's if just, just a blow that job, dress, yeah, just, if you just wash that dress, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I like about it. you know it's quite it is. I think the first half an hour it's a bit of a slow burner and then it ramps up. I think which is it's good. Um, so what I think you might not like about this, Sam, because I don't know if this is quite up your film alley, so to speak, is. Like I said, the story is a bit slow to get off the ground. It takes a good half an hour, and I was I was just worried you'd be bored more than anything. That you'd be like, "Oh, this isn't that interesting." You know, it's got a good cast, but I mean, what is it really? Is it anything? Is it really genuinely interesting, or am I just watching it because it looks slick? You know, is there any real like depth to the surface level? You know, because it's got that kind of late early twenty tens look of everything being kind of washed out, stone coloured <laughs> sort of filter with you know your greys and your blacks that are quite prominent uh, the other thing you might you might uh, you might not like is in the film it's it's portrayed as oh it's a scandal he's slept with the intern he's he's knocked her up but then in the age of Trump does, this just looks a bit <laughs> a bit minor almost just pair off just pair off and uh, you know people will love you because you slept with this sexy intern <laughs> yeah it's kind of like we are we past this where this kind of thing you know when a guy can literally get caught saying grab him by the pussy and <laughs> not lose the election and you know become president oh where he can endorse a bunch sex. of armed armed um people in cars <laughs> hounding the coach of another presidential candidate <laughs> yeah, i mean he literally you know he he had his own sex scandal you know apparently he was being blackmailed by you know Russia to say that he oh, had yeah. like a sex tape, <laughs> you know that kind of way. So, 
Yeah, I think it might seem almost naive at this point. Maybe if it's a Democrat candidate, it might be a little different, but you know they're not immune to the, <laughs> yeah, the old sex scandals, are they? Quite frankly, so yeah, I don't know if that's 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 something you might you might not find that interesting because it's because how do you take something that was a legitimate cause for like somebody losing their position to being now a seen as a minor offence almost <laughs> you know it's the sort of thing people forget about in a week because he'll do something worse yeah, yeah. so there Ooh. is that um, and also you might be just like why do they keep hiring pretty interns <laughs> you know just, <laughs> identical just stop it <laughs> but yeah so Sam what we're going to do is because we've droned on a bit here uh, well, because we had a bit of a different opening mm. what we're going to do we're going to have a break you know a little wee break. You can give yourself a stretch and all that Tell jazz love them yeah, do what you want, live your life. Or, and then we're going to find out what you think about this film. How how's that sound to you? We'll get a bit of Sam's jams. Yeah, so we'll see you after the break. Hello, welcome back. So now, Sam, what, uh, tell me, tell me, tell me. Um, what did you like about the Ides of March? Um, everything you've said is is applicable. There's, there's there's not much I can add. It is a great cast, a great performances. It is tense. It is a political thriller with lots of um, twists and turns, and you know you've got this sort of like Adonis uh, governor who seems to be running on genuine ideals but actually he's not perfect he's still a man with you know feet of clay and uh and I do like that I like the themes I like what it explores I like the way it does it you know it really is low hanging fruit in terms of the cast I mean there's no one in this film that I don't absolutely adore as you know Philip Seymour Hoffman you know probably my favorite actor and uh, Ryan Gosling is one of the most exciting actors now and George Clooney is a safe pair of hands and a handsome face and Paul Giamatti, I would almost say underratedly brilliant. Um, so as a cast, they're great. I think uh, there are there are great performances. Gregory Edson um, as Jack, he just does a wonderful speech at the funeral. Uh, so that is Gregory Edson, I think. Um, yeah, so yeah, incredibly moving, great, you know, smart dialogue, good speeches. It's clearly something that's been thought about a lot, and it is very moving. Um, and I do like the, the sort of power play. These are super smart men in suits who are backbiting and scheming, and I, I respect it because I'm I'm not that smart in the moment in a conversation. You know, if I've got like I never really lie because I just can't I can't scheme. I don't know about you, <laughs> but I'd like if I've got to try and make up a, a, a secondary lie on the spot to try and explain the first lie it's so blatant and so you can see right through it so I sort of do like not I would not admire because that means I want to emulate but I do um I'm impressed by characters who can be completely two-faced in a very convincing way you know and play each other off and it is it is a wonderful thing uh whether it's a little finger in Game of Thrones you know kind of living these two lives and somehow playing everybody off against the, against each other and these these weird symbiotic relationships like with with Ida Marissa Tomei the Marissa Tomei I mean I forgot to mention in the, you know in the cast uh, just one of my favorite actresses um I did mention her No you mentioned her about oh. when I was listening um and uh, yeah, this great symbiotic relationship. This you know, we're not really friends, but we give you what you need, and we and you give us what we need, sort of thing. And it is and it is really wonderful like that. Some of the scenes are well shot and well lit. Uh, like you said, it does suffer from the, the, the early twenty tens kind of sub David Fincher color palette. Color palette. Everything's a bit grey and stuff to to show you that this is a smart, serious film that we need to take very seriously. Mm. Uh, but some some uh, some are shot really well, like the sort of little shadowy showdown between Stephen and, and Governor Morris. Um, it's all in the shadows. It's not quite noir, but it's you know, Did, it's trying to make a point that they're in the shadows of this this building. Yeah, you know. I mean, yeah, it is. It does go somewhat like it does become film noir esque in like you know, like the way they dress and things like that. And did you notice that when he's in the kitchen talking to him, behind him is where all the knife 
the knife rack is and there's like loads of knives <laughs> behind his back which I thought was quite good oh that's quite good I didn't see yeah, that I didn't notice did, that at all I did that because I wouldn't think I would maybe crit- not criticise it but would mention that is there's nothing like George Clooney's adequate director I would say there's nothing sty- but there's other than the colour filter there's I don't think there's anything specifically stylistic about this film other than the colour filter no, and like the blocking doesn't tell you much like the blocking doesn't tell you much about the power play of the di- of the characters and, and that sort of stuff like it's it does look pretty I mean when you were so the question I was wanting to know from you was when you were sat watching it like the first obviously when you sat watching it in the first like half an hour, forty minutes of the film, before the revelation about George Clooney's character comes out, what what were you kind of expecting? Because it is a bit of a left turn, isn't it? At that point of the well, film, it is, it is. Uh, but I think my major criticism of the film is just that it's re- there's really nothing in this film that I haven't seen before. Um, sometimes done much worse than this film sometimes done much better as you know my favourite TV show is The Wire and mm. I know you've not seen it but in season mm. 3 there is a uh, a story arc of a of a uh, what's it going to be a senator governor uh, oh god I can't remember it's been, I think he's senator uh, Tommy Carcetti he's running to be uh, governor of uh, let's say state senator or something like that. Anyway, he's, uh, he's for going a for a, politician. He's going for a high political some office. political office. Yeah, and he is very much like um, George Clooney's character, Mike Morris. In this, he's you genuinely think he's idealistic. So you know, there's a few uh, a few um, debates and forums where he really gets to announce himself as a as a local politician, and people like him because he gives these impas- impassioned speeches. Even when you see him talking to his campaign staff. He seems genuinely idealistic, but then he, say, he cheats on his wife, or he's a, he's kind of rude and impetuous with his with the campaign staff who are smarter than him. And occasionally, you get this little glimpse. Actually, is he idealistic, or is he just is he just uh, does he want the power? Funnily enough, played uh, by um, uh, oh shit, what's his name? <laughs> played by Littlefinger from Game of Thrones, uh, Aidan oh, Gillen. Yeah, Aidan Gillen. Gillen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so it's a very similar character. Is in he the in the Wire of, as well? Yeah, yeah, he's a major character from season three onwards. Mm, um, so he's know. running for that, and and I do think it's been done better than this because it's got do you more have an time example? to do. Example, or is that just it's been done better so, in the wire example, because, like you said, it had more time to build the character. It, it, that's a major part of it, and it's and I do think it's you know I I, I really respect this film, and George Clooney has done a really good job with directing and writing it, but it's made. By even smarter people like David Simon, um, who was a you know a Sun journalist for ten years in in Baltimore and all these kind of things, mm. so right. it's it's really smart. And then he's um, he's given this really good speech by the incumbent, let's yeah. say a senator or governor, uh, who says, uh, "So if you get the job, what you've got to do is you've got to sit at your desk." Oh no, so anyway, it's, it's it's all by another character. You've got to sit at your desk, and every morning they bring you a ball of shit. And you've got to sit there and eat that shit every single morning, because he's this idealistic. But, but like George Clooney's character in this, you know, he's told, "Well, you literally won't win unless you make this compromise." And yeah. He says, "Well, I don't want to make it." Well, you've got to make it. Um, and I do think the wire does it better. Just in like, well, again, it's given more time to do so, and you, you're more invested than you could be in a two-hour film. And, you know, like you've mentioned House of Cards, whether it's the West Wing, which I've not seen a lot of, but I have seen political thrillers before and I have seen campaign films before. And I don't honestly... I mean, can you think of anything in this film that's new? As an idea or as a conflict or as a scene or something that you genuinely have never seen before? No, but that's not saying that there isn't anything there. I'm just trying to think. I suppose you would have seen maybe political campaigning, like... From the, the from the president's point of view, probably in maybe in uh, the West Wing. I didn't think of, I did forget about that. Um, and often it is it is from the point of view of an advisor. Yeah. <clears throat> you know the the person who's running for it. They're almost too squeaky clean until the revelations come out. So yeah. the advisor is this super smart person who everybody wants. Uh, yeah, that's something I maybe didn't like about the film is that they they kind of. You know, they they think the sun shines out of this guy's ass <laughs> too much. You know, he's too like 
wanted by the other side. Even like he's like all those things. Like Paul Giamatti says, all those things I said were true. And it's like just come on, just leave. You know, <laughs> take your tongue out of his <laughs> But yeah. also as well, not only Ryan Gosling but George Clooney. There's a sort of sense that Philip Seymour Hoffman's character would be one, the one running for office if he was better looking. And I get that in a lot of TV and film where it's like, okay, yeah, so some you've got people, the, the, yeah, some you know, the cleverest like guys behind the scenes, though, don't they? No, of course, yeah. But you get like the cleverest guys are the ones who are advising them. The ones who are slightly less clever, but still quite Machiavellian. But they're just better looking and more presentable. Are the ones who are running, you know. Although in real life, that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> well, you uh, there are, it there are the... people more presentable than Donald Trump, say. Yeah, I mean, in real life, there's clearly more intelligent people <laughs> helping Donald Trump. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think a lot of the time... But then that's comparing like UK and US politics. I think UK politics is a little different. I think you have to show a level of competency at some point to be given certain jobs. Not always. Well... Yeah, <laughs> let's say the the big job, for example. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. just quite a funny comedy character. Yeah, perhaps. Did you so? Did so? The questions about this film really are that I've presented is does power corrupt? Absolutely, because ultimately you've got this, you know, almost unbelievably idealistic senator who's talking, you know, about oil and renewables and you know how we shouldn't be going to war in these countries and yeah he's very he's very you know he's a liberal dream basically well i don't necessarily think that this film actually explores does power corrupt so much as does the quest for more influence which you could call power make compromise inevitable I don't think it's the case that George Clooney's character is so powerful that he's corrupt he just slept with a young intern um, and then he wasn't he, he wasn't forcing her to get an abortion for example no or you know he wasn't or he wasn't going to great lengths to cover it up necessarily I think he was just imperfect yeah well I mean more so obviously Obviously, he's got a position of influence over her that he uses to sleep with her. Now, you know, basically society has said, if you're a young woman and an older, more influential man sleeps with you, you are in a situation where you couldn't say no necessarily. And that's kind of, you're yeah. a victim in that sense, even if you were, even if you were, even if it was consenting at the time, which is fair enough. I agree Broadly, yeah, that's, there's, that's there's a there's a good sentiment. reason why that is a the why that is a, a big rule that you don't fuck the intern. <laughs> so there is that problem. It's the same with Louis C.K. You know, his career has yeah. been derailed not because he's sexually assaulted anyone, but because he used his sort of influence know, influence over them to yeah. to get to get them to agree to things that they didn't want to necessarily do. It's not he's not actually. I suppose you know, the point where I say does power corrupt. Is maybe more is that more the question then for like Ryan Gosling's character, that he he had this power over the senator, that he had this basically you know he says I've got a note on the phone saying you know he blackmail he's, he's essentially yeah extorts Extort. or, yeah extorts yeah. or blackmailing I'm not entirely sure what the difference is in this context <laughs> to get a more powerful position and if this guy becomes president you know he's going to be the the highest advisor to the president. You know, he's yeah, and I make think again, that's, decisions. that's ambition corrupting more than power. But it's that so ambition ge- for power. Is it's what I'm ambition saying. for power. Yeah. So I think it's not. You know, it's it's at least tangential to to that discussion of does power corrupt. But I do think it's more ambition. Uh, you know, gets precedent over. Or what about the morals or the desire to to have power means that people will do unsavory things you know what i mean like yeah they'll compromise you know he's not allowed to say that he had an affair with the intern because it'll ruin his campaign you know he yeah all that sort of stuff. it's the, the, the they're interesting questions um and i'm sure no, it, is, it is and it's an interesting film at, at bringing up those questions and exploring them and it and it, it is if this was the first film like this that i'd ever seen before i'd be i'd be much more enthusiastic than I am. Yeah, I think it's the fact that it, you know it came out in twenty eleven, which is 
you know, nearly 10, which is about 10 Well, it feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it, in terms of politics? Well, you're right that it's naive and it's out of date, but I can't blame the film for that. No. Uh, And it's still relevant, you know. I don't don't think Donald Trump will change US politics forever. No. I hope. (laughs) I'm hoping that he only changes politics for the next, you know, two months. Um, uh, And then that's it, but... um, (laughs) But no, you're right. Like I said, I'm not going to blame the film for not predicting Donald Trump. And no. um, and it seems recent enough ago that politics wasn't fucking mental. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does seem like well. a more idealistic time, doesn't it? You know, yeah, where people would be worried about pre-Brexit and, this sort of stuff. and all this. Yeah, yeah. Pre-Trump. I think fundamentally, going back to the sort of quality of the film, I think my reaction to the film is summed up by... Do you remember the, the, the scene where they're sort of schmoozing Ida at the, at the sort yeah, of lounge thing? the beginning. And there's the, near the beginning, and there's the lounge singer. Yeah. And he, he does... So this film, to me, is that... he's that This film is that lounge singer. He does a really good, uh, sort of technically proficient version of a song. Um, uh, we'll meet again, yeah. Uh, he sings Dun, well, and it's well lit, Dun, but it made me feel almost nothing. Because I, I was actually literally singing that that song and playing it again obviously Vera Lynn left you know we lost we lost Vera Lynn not long ago uh, the worst yeah. possible time take it before her um, time <laughs> yeah <laughs> she could have been 105 if she really uh, if there was any justice you know and I love that song and, that, and it's so especially at the start of lockdown when the Queen actually cited it you know we'll meet again and and I got incredibly patriotic for a day just listening to that song again and again <laughs> and um, and that, but that, that version of it that exactly, yeah. I'm not that sort of person, but that, the version of it by the loud singer was just made me feel absolutely nothing at all. But it was well done and it was well lit, and he's clearly a good singer. But I felt nothing, okay. and I, and I so, think roughly speaking, that's what this film did for me. So, did you enjoy this film? I did, I did. It's not a bad film at all. It's well made. I do you just, think you would have? In, do you think you would have enjoyed this film if you'd watched it in say August or? I don't know, like January when it wasn't election season in America, because it does, even if it is a bit naive, it does feel pertinent around this time, doesn't it? Oh, incredibly pertinent. I was I was going from this film to the kitchen where my partner was watching, you know, the election results coming in, so it was like it felt like the same the same world twice. Mm-hmm. I think I could have glaciers move faster than this election result. <laughs> uh, but no, I think I would have enjoyed it any time. Like That's I said, I, I, I do like this sort of stuff. It's just the fact that I like it. It means I've seen it before. One little pertinent thing I do like is the fact that those primaries tend to start in March. So I quite like the fact that it was the eyes of March was in March. <laughs> yeah. You have the March surprise, is that what they call it? Or is that later? Is that the August surprise or something? I'm not sure. I've never heard of it, to be honest. That's... You're this educating me Madness, there, so I think that's American football. <laughs> so, <laughs> possibly basketball. I'm really well outside of my uh, yeah, comfort zone. Out, yeah, outside your remit. Rightio, so we're going to move yeah. swiftly on. What was your favourite scene of this film, Sam? There are some really good scenes, but I think the one that probably stood out was the, the shadowy showdown between Stephen and uh, Governor Morris, oh, where he's saying there, was a, there was a note. And what I really liked is it's really very much like a game of poker. You know, yeah, it's it's bluffing and calling his bluff, and and then second guessing, and it's it's, it's raising, re raising, and so on. Uh, I did think that was really good because it was it was just close up acting, you know, two people in in a in a scene. I, I thought that was really good. Yeah, it's hard really to really be just good old fashioned, just dialogue, isn't it, between two people? You know, just talented it's... actors with a proper scene fueled by something genuine yeah yeah I would say personally for me my favourite scene was actually the scene when he finds out that um, she slept with the governor and it's like oh who's called and he goes to ring it as a joke and I like the fact that this film all kind of stems from essentially a a not a joke but it's almost an accident that he finds out like she was never going to tell him I don't think yeah Um, you know, it's only because the phones all look the same, and they make a big deal of that at the beginning of the film for no reason, and then it's like, oh yeah, Chekhov's phone. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> yeah, a good thing as well because they also <laughs> they also make such a deal of the phone in that scene that you think, oh, that's why they brought the phones up because then Molly can like talk to him and he's got her number. Yeah, and then it's got that that deeper resonance. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, good and I think and the tension in that scene is really good. I really enjoyed that bit because she's vulnerable, he's angry, but kind of also curious as to what's happened 
he then, because of his job, knows that he has to fix it. He's he's like, oh, I've been sleeping with this girl, and now that's this over. <laughs> you know, because like he does say that he likes her, but you know, to keep it on the down low. Um, yeah, yeah. She's she's an interesting character. She does come across as a little bit of Bambi on ice at times, and I think it is. Yeah, and a bit a bit uh, off puttingly. Uh, I, I think it's done on purpose, but she not not that she's forward, but that she's like uh, so so pleased with herself <laughs> and how forward she is. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose it does. There is an impact then when he's listening to his voicemails and maybe realise he could have done something about it. That's that's yeah. kind of poignant at that point. Um, yeah. And he's a terrific actor at that sort of thing. Yeah, question I've got for you actually is just on a tangent. Like so, Evan Rachel Wood's character in this Molly is meant to be twenty years old. Have you ever seen somebody look so much older than the age they actually are? Like, because <laughs> she's about twenty twenty one when this film was made, so she's not the wrong age for it. But she just looks about twenty eight. <laughs> she just looks a lot older than she actually is. <laughs> she could some... definitely pass for older. Definitely. But I I don't know. I, I think to, I checked I think her IMDb it's... to see how old she was when the film. Was made. <laughs> you know, it's a funny thing. It's easy to. It's easy to think that, but I do think a lot of 20-year-olds can pass for... Especially women can pass for mid-20s. Yeah, I suppose she is always kind of... The majority of the film, she's kind of dressed in like a... One of those jackets. Smart. Suit, what they're called. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Suit. Jack, what they're called. What women wear where they've got trousers. Uh, power suits. <laughs> yeah, there's a, no, there's a proper name for them. Pantsuits or something like know. that. Pantsuits, oh, yeah, that's Gosh. what Americans call them, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, so she's maybe Pants. just, maybe she's just done up a bit older looking. I don't know, she yeah, just exactly. looked, just looked, she just didn't, she looked kind of like young and innocent, I think that would have been better than her looking, actually, somebody who's been, like when she said she was 20, I was like, you know, if I had a drink in my mouth, I would have gone, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> well, then she, then she then goes on to say a teenager, so I'm like, yeah. okay, she actually... So is she actually younger than what she is? Or uh, uh, overestimating her age to... Well, she could well be 19 or 18 and doesn't want to scare him off, so 20 sounds more acceptable. Yeah, maybe she was just messing with him. They don't actually get to the bottom of that, do they, in the film? No, no, that's um, surprising. But yeah, I do like that bit. And the bit you were on about is really good as well. What's your favourite line from this film? Because after watching it again, there's some absolute corkers in it, isn't there? There are some really good ones, actually, and um, as is often the case, my favourite line, I went for one that I thought was kind of indicative of the entire film or summed up a key point, and it's uh, what Ida says to Stephen. She says, Mike Morris is a politician. He's a nice guy. They're all nice guys. He will let you down sooner or later. You know, it's almost like the, uh, what do they call them? The, not the chorus, but the, the something at the start of a like a Shakespeare play that basically tells you what's going to happen. Uh, the prologue. There's a prologue, but then there's like a... You know, the, like the, the two star-crossed lovers that have some... Yeah, that, that's, that's actually voiced by a character called like the chorus or the something. Right, but yeah, right. that basic idea, and, and I really liked that because it summed up the film. You know, these are all nice guys, but they will let you down. Yeah. Yeah, and he does seem a bit impossibly idealistic, doesn't he? Um, at the start yeah. Of the Fair enough. Well, what we'll do is I'll do my favourite line and then we'll do a couple more if you want because there are a few in it. Um, I like the... Yeah, we've mentioned it pretty much already, but I like the one where he goes... Where um, Stephen Mayers basically says to, you know, um, Ryan Gosling's character basically just goes, if you want to be president, you can start a war, you can lie, you can cheat, you can bankrupt the country, but you can't fuck the interns. They'll get you for that. (laughs) Yeah, that's the... I do like that. Uh, do you have any other ones? There's a lot of good ones, and, and and he does get a lot of the best lines, Steve. And you know, the first line where he's where he's kind of basically delivering uh, the governor's speech, mm. and then says, "You know what? Don't vote for me." That sort of stuff is really yeah, good. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, a lot of back and forth. There's obviously the bit where Tom Duffy says, "You know, I'm trying to trying to remember if a Democrat if the Democrats have ever nominated an atheist before," and it is quite a platform to go on where he's basically saying, "I'm not religious other than for the Constitution," because I've seen polls where people would rather vote for. Uh, a Muslim and all kinds of stuff other than an, other than an atheist, even yeah. in America. You know, it's a strange, um, it's a strange thing, isn't it? It's funny because in this yeah. country, people play it down, don't they? Like I know that yeah. apparently Tony Blair played it down because he apparently became a Catholic 
when he was either prime minister or beforehand. That's right. And yeah. never really mentioned it because he just didn't. It puts, want... it puts some people off, doesn't it? Yeah, it puts me off a bit. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> well, that's it. Like when George Bush was saying that, I'm sure he said that things like, you know, I prayed to God and he told me what to do with about 9/11. And it's like, well, I do not want the leader of a country want... to to do that. There's a couple more um, lines I've got here that I really like. Um, I've yeah. got the one from Paul Giamatti where he goes, you know, where he basically goes, do yourself a favour, get out now, get out while you still can, go into entertainment or business, go open a fucking restaurant in Costa Rica, anything, do something <laughs> that's going to make you happy, okay? Because you stay in the business long enough, you're going to get jaded and cynical. And uh, Ryan goes and replies and goes, like you? And he goes, yeah, just like me. And he's there's no, no witty comeback. He's just like, no. yeah. You that reminded up. me of that, that great bit... Uh, in the thick of it, spoilers for the thick of it. Oh, when um, some great when Malcolm Tucker's getting fired, yeah. Uh, oh, he's, he's, well, he's on his, he's on the, he's, you know, he's on his on the on the down and out, and uh, yeah. he's talking to Ollie, and he says, you know, what you think you can do this job? I, I you know, I'm not Malcolm Tucker anymore. I'm the I'm the husk of Malcolm Tucker. I go <laughs> home, and this job fucks me in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, and it's this great speech about, you know, you cannot do this job. Like the Shawshank Redemption with a lot more shoveling of shit and no redemption. <laughs> um, I am now going to go rewatch all five series of that show. <laughs> I do also oh, like sure. the bit that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman says where he goes, You didn't make a mistake, you made a choice when he goes yeah. to see. Yeah. When he goes off to see. That is a um, wonderful scene, actually. Paul Giamatti, yeah. Because again, it's a bit of chess, uh, you know, and it's a bit of. Yeah. I, I, I leaked it. You know. Yeah. Right, Sam. So. We're going to have a quick break, and then on the other side of the break, we're going to get the critics, your review, a quick quiz, and then we're going to see what we're going to be doing next week, okay? Very exciting. Hello, and welcome back to Please Watch This. So, Sam, would you like to hear what the critics thought of the Ides of March? Come the fuck in or fuck the fuck off. <laughs> Make like a banana and fuck off. <laughs> um, so we've got the first one here is from the Hollywood Reporter. Now it hasn't got a name attached to it annoyingly. It just says Hollywood Reporter staff. So I'm afraid I can't read Ooh, the writer. But they said it poised between politics and thriller. This morality tale from Clooney and Co is illuminated by a terrific ensemble cast. The fine cast makes every line of dialogue count, like the memorable final exchange between Paul and Stephen outside a churchyard as the lives take different paths. Jeffrey Rife's brief appearance as an influential senator able to swing the election in is an example of perfect straight-faced gravitas, while Marissa Tomei's crafty Times reporter is delightfully smart and underhanded. Evan Wood, for all her sexual incoherentness, evokes sympathy <laughs> when she gets into major trouble. So, yeah. so That's good. I mean, he broadly likes it. Or she, incoherentness? They... Is that what they... I thought incoherence would be the... Sorry, I've misread it. So, for all her sexual incorrectness. Apologies. Oh, okay. Right. That doesn't make sense for all the sexual incoherence. <laughs> She's like, you're doing it wrong. Why? You're trying to put it in your ear. <laughs> it's not very coherent. <laughs> whoa, 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 my mouth's full. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and then the... So that was like a pretty broadly positive review, I would say. Um and then I've got another one here, which maybe isn't as positive. So we like, you know, give both sides of the coin. We do. Uh, this one's from Angie Erigo from Empire Online. So but she... hang on a second. So this is 20, 2011. Is there nothing from Roger Ebert? Uh, was he not dead at this point? 2013 he died, my friend. Oh, bugger. I thought he was you read dead. That, while you read that out, I'm going to look to see if uh, old Rog, old uh, Rog. Okay. <laughs> criticised his film. Yeah. Uh, okay, so they said... It is, at face value, a mature, thoughtful, intelligent thriller with some meat on its bones, handsomely crafted with a big-ticket ensemble cast and a little sex. It's smart and ambitious, but burdened by the weight of its own worthiness. And then, at the same time, on closer inspection, and despite its, its Shakespearean illusion in the big themes, the Ides of March, of course, being the date Roman conspirators ended Julius Caesar's imperial ambitions. Some of its plot points are either as implausible or as predictable as those you could expect in any shiny Hollywood drama of ambition, backstabbing and party politicking. So, I agree with the 
statement about it was a bit uh, predictable because, like you said, you felt like you'd see once it kind of settles down into it being a sex scandal. Essentially, you're like, oh, well, I've kind of seen this on TV before and in other places. Uh, but I wouldn't say that it's, you know, I think there's more substance to this film than First Meets the Eye for me. Yeah, it's it's really good at doing all that stuff. It's just that it doesn't yeah. do anything new. That got three fact, and a half stars. By three the way. and a half. Now I'm not the biggest fan of Empire. Um, quite frankly, I don't think they're... Is that after their five-star Looper review? <laughs> yes. I just don't think they're very good. I don't know. That's why I'm like, it can't be hard to be a reviewer. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you look at Roger Ebert and you go, God, that guy can write. Even... Yeah. Um, that is the high watermark. What's him the man... Oh, what's he called? The guy from the Times... Ta- not the Times, in the, the Guardian, who... Peter Bradshaw. Peter Bradshaw. Peter Bradshaw, great writer. These guys... Ah. You know. <laughs> we're, t- we're ten. They're ten of plenty of these reviews. So here's the god, the king. Shall I read it? Since you know, in, in I, Roger Ebert. Well, I've, I've already, I've, I've, I've digested it. So I'll, let me read it to you because it's a, it's a surprise to you, and I've, I've read it already before. I know it's your job, but you've yeah. sort of failed us. You've, so you've usurped um, me essentially. Old Roger has given it three out of four stars, and he says, um, I think the first paragraph of his review is quite telling. It's, it's very similar to what we said. The Ides of March tells me something I already knew that the experience of running an American political campaign is crushing for body and soul. By the time, by the time a winning candidate survives more than a year of primaries in the general election it's a wonder he has the strength remaining to govern um, and what I what I really like actually which I, I overlooked was what he says in his second paragraph although the movie stars George Clooney well known as a democrat it doesn't target or even really consider republicans it takes place entirely within a democratic primary campaign and though, although our feelings about who is good and bad may evolve they're all democrats and I think that is a very good point isn't it it could easily be a preachy saying, bit of propaganda is he saying they're the good guys and they're acting well, no, that, that that like all the good and the bad is done by Democrats. You know that it's not saying Democrats are good and Republicans are the evil bad guys. Yeah, the antagonists and protagonists are all Democrats. You know, and it's, yeah. it's infighting really. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, it's, you know, maybe another illusion there: civil war, the Ides of March. You know, that was a civil war essentially. True. In the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so it's always worse when it's the when it's. I mean, that's why Dante put Brutus in his in the ninth circle of hell you know the middle in the worst circle of hell because it was people who'd uh, betrayed their friends instead of their country you know there's a great i think it's the enforced i think it's the enforced somebody said if i was ever uh, given the choice between uh, whether to betray my friend or my country i hope i'd have the strength and courage to betray my country and that at the time was very controversial you know 100 years ago um mm. and that is that is what Brutus did, was he betrayed his friend over his country, and that's why Dante put him in his, you know, the darkest, deepest circle of hell, because well, he understood that. that, that know, is more important. often countries are argued as imagined communities that aren't real. Exactly, um, that's yeah. That's a famous sort of... There's a, I think there's a book actually written called Imagined Communities that looks into that sort of aspect of, well, uh, nation creation and... And it is fascinating. And people's obsession with nation is, is fascinating, especially when it yeah. comes to the election time. Yeah, because it, it just it's weird how we're so driven by where we were born or grew up, isn't it? As an identity. That mm. geography marks us out as so different to somebody else. You know, you would, you'd, you'd say that something like language would probably be more interesting in that regard. But there you it's, go. It's an it's a fascinating yeah. Uh, it's it's, fascinating it's time for a different. It's, it's a conversation for a different time, isn't it? It is. So, That's for our political podcast, which is yet yeah. to be founded. Yeah, please politic this. <laughs> so Sam, uh, the question I have for you and the listeners want to know is how many bear claws out of ten? Would you give this film? <laughs> That's good. I'm from Cincinnati. Uh, I would give this film a very solid seven. You know, good, good, but not yeah. great. Very solid, but unremarkable. It's funny you should mention Cincinnati because that's another um, Roman illusion. Um, Is that right? Yeah, because Cincinnati's named after the Roman g- general uh, Cincinnatus, who like I told you, we're not on that podcast. You were, yeah. <laughs> we're on our film podcast. Who inspired George Washington to going. step down from power because <laughs> he saved the Roman Republic and then stepped down as its. Inspired George Washington to step down for power. Yeah. Across the millennia. Sorry? Across the millennia. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and Cincinnati was named after him. Famous. Fascinating. 
Yeah, I think from Fascinating. the 3rd or 4th century BC. Uh, so yeah, you learn something new every day on this podcast. You um, do, sorry. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd broadly the same. I'd probably give it an 8, just because I probably liked it a bit more than yourself. But uh, yeah. yeah, I can see your point. You know, it's not... I, 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 you know, I get the criticism. It's not, I don't think it's overly original. Um, you know, I think that's why Ebert only gave it three stars. But I don't think it's it's well made, it's well acted. It's all with things we've said. Um, so the next question is, Sam, are you ready for a quick quiz? On Hugh, you've known me 20 odd years now. I'm always ready for a quick quiz, my friend. Okay, let's go then. So, my first question for Yao is, what state is the Democratic... Democratic. <laughs> what state is? It's easy for me to say. Is the Democratic primary being held in? Where are they? What oh state? shit! I should know that. What state is Cincinnati in? Wait, what? Um, they're in Ohio, aren't they? Are you sure? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I have it as my final answer. Yeah, you got that right. Yeah, they're in good, Ohio. Good. You know what's confusing me actually is because Molly said I worked with you in Iowa. And I often confuse Ohio and Iowa just because there are four yeah. letters and what, there's eyes fuck all there as well. Yeah, that's a fair <laughs> yeah. point, fair point. Not much is happening. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Obviously, if you're from Ohio or Iowa. Like uh, my prospective uh, uh, future brother-in-law. <laughs> hello. <laughs> Hi, Stephen. Oh, hello. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, they're in Ohio. Uh, several presidents have been from Ohio, just FYI. Glad, glad to hear it. I'm excited. What I'm is tumescent the... with, uh, with that fact. <laughs> yeah, I think four or something like that have been from Ohio. It was a, it, oh, a long time. T- Sorry? <laughs> I was tumescent, now I've come. Uh, it just <laughs> got even more interesting. <laughs> it's because it used to be like a political battleground state, so a lot of, in like the turn oh, of yeah. last century, a lot of uh, people were from Ohio from that. Yeah. Okay, Good. next question. What is the name of the other candidate in the uh, primary race? What's his? Who does Paul Giamatti work for? What's his name? Oh, it's just, just escaped me. So is it Thompson? There's Thompson and there's another one. Thompson. Is that your final answer? No, again, I'm not sure. But yes, <laughs> go on, it's my final answer. No, Thompson is the senator, I think he is, that he's trying to woo because he's got the... Oh, um, but- Burrell? But no, that's Pullman. a Wire character. Pullman. Pullman. You don't, yeah, Burrell think, is a character in The Wire and Pullman's right. just uh, interfered with it. You see him briefly, I think, at the beginning when they're doing the debate, but you don't. he's not yeah. really a character in it. I thought you'd get that one, to be honest, because it's plus, really, really 100% It says his name though. like 12 times in the yeah. back shot when I, he goes to I'm, see Paul Giamatti. I think this is my fourth beer. I think that's... I, I, oh, I'll yeah, that's your that. excuse. Okay. Um, what, this one might... <laughs> this one might throw you then. Uh, <laughs> what position does Molly's father hold? Why is he so important? Oh yeah, what's, the, what's his um, job? Head of the DNC. Yeah, chair, yeah. chair of the DNC. Yeah, no, yeah, well done. You got that. I did, I, that was the one Smashed I was hoping it. that would catch you out. Actually, to be frank. <laughs> yeah, I fell yeah. for Pullman. Fuck's sake. Yeah, what does it, what does DNC stand for? For Democratic National Committee Convention Convention. Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is it committee? Anyway, yeah, it's the Democratic National thing. Yeah, it must be committee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're effectively there because they have a convention, don't they? That's called the DNC. Yeah, I think it's but, the anyway. Yeah, National Committee. Yeah, because I think it's the one that it's basically the person who effectively runs the party when there's no president. Yeah, yeah, they're not the head of the party, but they're like they're like the the administrator. It's a yeah. problematic system. <laughs> yeah. Uh, f- question four. What was the name of uh, Paul's first boss in politics? Who was? What was the name of the candidate he was running Sam, for? Sam Ooh. something. Sam Greer. Something like that. Oh, well, of course you got his first name because the same <laughs> name. <laughs> um, Our eponymous hero, as you would call him. <laughs> right, I was using that word wrong. Okay, I get it. Twice. Two Jesus wept. <laughs> right, pattern, aren't you? Words. Just Sam Grumble. Sam Grumble. Sam Grumble or something like that. It's Sam you're Turnbull. Cl- you're close, but you're not right. It's Sam Sam McGuthrie. Good, yeah, there's a G in there. Yeah, and he was. It was in Kentucky. Kentucky. Uh, question five. 
What street will Paul be running his consultancy <laughs> from? Oh, you know, they mentioned it by full name, but K Street. I don't know what K stands for. <laughs> Kept saying yeah. K Street, didn't they? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I think, no, I think it is literally called K Street. I oh, it's it, actually called K Street. Yeah. I thought somebody said the full name of it I once, think it's, but yeah, K Street. I, I could be wrong, but I think it's a street in Washington where all these, like, consultancies are. Then they're yeah. in... Like, million a year, nobody to. Uh, I think. What is it? Do your dirty or whatever it says. I think they're just off. You know when you see that shot of the the. It's either the White House or um, Capitol building. That it's on like if you pull back, there's like a big broad avenue with some like right. buildings either side. I think on either side of that street, that's where K Street is. With the big uh, buildings full of rich consultancy pricks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's where a lot of the uh, lobbyists are as well. Right. In and around that area, hey, you've done all right on that one, Sam. You only got one question wrong, and that was oh no, you got two wrong. But I'll give you half a mark for getting your first name right. Yeah, so yeah. you got three out, three and a half out of five. So well, three done. and a half out of five, just like this film. Yeah. Anything else? I you like want to, to be consistent. No, I think that's it. It's a, it's a wonderful cast. I really wanted to see it at the time, and then I didn't watch it. Lost my appetite for it, and I'm glad I've seen it now. But I think it's probably. I'm annoyed that I'm a bit underwhelmed by it. I think it is it is worth it is way it's worth more than the energy I'm giving it. But it's it's just hard to get excited about this film, I think. Yeah. I mean, I've tried to play it or to do it when we're as close as we can no, be to a political American election. So Who uh, knows if this podcast is running in four years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four more years. <laughs> yeah, there's actually like that line where he goes, what, you want to work together for eight years? Four, don't get ahead of yourself. Yeah. Uh, right, so Sam, what film are we going to watch next week? Well, following on from the Paul Giamatti um, film that we just saw, <laughs> yeah. we're going to watch another one. And nice this segue. is a... Yeah, absolutely. It's like I'm um, working with a pro. <laughs> no, that was full of gas as well. I was literally mid-burp there. Sorry, I mean, listener. We can start <laughs> again. Is, I can, this is really, do you want to do that bit again? Can you imagine can, if we Sam, charge the listeners for Sam, this? Sam, can you imagine if we made any money off this fucking podcast? You? <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd have to edit a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, Sam, what film are we going to be watching next week? Uh, we're going to watch the 2005, I think, film Sideways. Also starring Paul Giamatti. What do you know about this film, Hugh? Well, I'm glad that you were able to say that without farting or some other body <laughs> excretion. Embarrassing as all. Yeah. Um, so I've seen bits of this film. I know that it's something to do with Paul Giamatti and... Oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, Sam's man. I'm going to call, it, no, I'm gonna call Sam him Sam Man. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> their mates, they go off to... Um, wine country in California for a weekend or a week away or something because one of them's maybe broke up with his girlfriend or something and then I don't really know and I know that Thomas Hayden Church's characters I think he's cheating on his wife or girlfriend or something in the film while they're away and it's just it just looks like one of those films that's ostensibly about nothing other than two friends hanging out for a specific reason good yeah so you know some stuff and it's a real staple of this show it's a it's a thing I'd like to explore more films that I basically have about seen nothing. that I haven't actually seen. <laughs> Not so much films about nothing, but you know, there's there's films that I really like. For example, I don't think I've seen Jaws start to finish, so it is eligible for our show, even though right. I've pretty much seen it. Uh, so I'd like to get more of those. Same Godfather Part Two, somehow never actually seen start to finish. So uh, this is a good good a good thing to explore. It's a film I love. It's a film that doesn't get spoken about enough. I think it's a film that annoys some people for maybe being a bit bourgeois or whatever, but um, it's a film that really, for some reason, I love the first time I saw it and I've seen it ten times since. So I'm looking forward to it, Hugh. Uh, Hugh, cool. if they want to get in touch with us and tell us about their thoughts about Paul Giamatti, is he the new Bond, etc., uh, how could they do that? <laughs> I mean, if they want to get in touch with us about Paul Giamatti playing the rhino, I'd, I'd be quite happy about that as well. <laughs> um, you know, a loss to cinema, I feel that. Um, so if they want to get in touch with us, what they need to do is they need to go and join a political campaign, preferably for the Democrats, because we're not crazy here on Please Watch This. Um, and yeah, whilst they're there, maybe they could use one of the computers or send a message from one of their phones that they're assigned um, with all the names, you know, with Mary's name in it. <laughs> um, and yeah, get in touch with us that way. Because I can't, think, work of, I can't that, think of another I mean, way. What email address would they send it to if they managed to get hold of one of these They would send it to please watch this dot pod at gmail.com. 
Yeah, they've got to be Good. in Ohio. It's You're not right. being Iowa we'll, we'll know. or Kentucky. Geo, geotag it. Geotag your emails, yeah. people. Otherwise, I'll, I'll ignore it. Sam, <laughs> if they want to be more savvy and want to use, say, other forms of social media to get in touch with us, how can they do it? Uh, well, I, I suppose I might as well tell them. It's, uh, yeah, Twitter, well, it's Facebook, an idea, isn't it? Instagram. <laughs> we are available at Please Watch Pod. In your own uh, yeah. time. Like, in your do own get time. In touch. Yeah. What I'd really like to know is what do you think of the film Sideways? And I'll, yeah. I'll include your thoughts in next week's show. Yeah. Hugh, well, all that needs to be said is that I love the audience. I love every single does. one of them and all their thighs. I mean, it helps when one of them is your brother, and I suppose. When most of them are my brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when and the me. audience is the, your brother. <laughs> yeah. How about yourself, Hugh? Are you I'm, fond of them yet? They're lovely people. Are they I've, growing on you? I mean, let's not get hasty. <laughs> no, so, I can't wait to meet them all individually. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think you probably have. In the same right, environment. Well, listener, I really look forward to uh, our supervised with, visit with you next week. Have a great week, Hugh, and I'll talk yeah, you with too. you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.